You're listening to the Unreasonable Fridays Podcast Network. Go ahead, stand your stand your stand your stand your stand your stand your Welcome everyone to another episode of Ad Space. I'm your host, Aaron Ren Freeman, and the real host, the most delicious name in podcasting. Elise Bacon Bacon, how are you? I have Monster X stuck in my head. It's fine. They're very good. They just came out with their... Um, uh, they just had a, a comeback, their next album called Take Two, and the whole damn thing is really good. And right now I have Rodeo just stuck in my head on repeat, and I'm just going to keep listening to that album over and over and over again until I fully indoctrinate all of my friends. <coughs> Justin, Hi! Justin's with us because he's the best. I mean, you say indoctrinate like I don't already listen. <gasps> you right. listen? Right. Yes, I listen. <laughs> I don't know these things. I don't think, I don't really think I, they're. I just, I literally assume that everybody just humors me. No. We're too old to humor other humans. I don't know if you realize. We're all too old for that. No, so this, but uh, I am just such a charismatic individual. That sometimes people will like listen to something like once they're like, yeah, bacon, that's good. But like not really get into it. They're just doing it because they love me. <laughs> no, if anyone, I, there's a huge chunk of people you've got listening to this. All I on know some is level, that Monster so. X is so good. And they're probably like, I really need money. I am. Listen, I will draw your favorite K-pop idol. With your favorite Pokemon, I'll do watercolor commissions of that. Please buy them so I can ha afford the tickets when they go on sale when they actually decide to randomly announce a U.S. tour, which is probably happening. Please help me see them all over the country. <laughs> okay, so what we're going to do, because you just flailed a lot like Kermit, so we're going to go ahead and then we're going to take those cards you threw up in the air and we're going to put them in a nice row. And we're going to say that if you'd like to actually pay for Bacon to actually go, um, there is the uh, there is Bacon's Patreon, which is uh, patreon.com backslash lost in pandemonium. Bacon. Which, which Eric's going to help me update because he's great. Right. Because I want you to see Monsta X in person as well. I just need to see shirtless Shonu. Right times across the country isn't he um he's the he's the uh, thick one well wadho is also very thick hold on there's there now i understand that there are two thick ones but one of them has vibrating titties and i know that's one is, okay that's okay cool <laughs> that's uh that's oh yeah i'm i'm piecing that's it together Okay. Wanho is also very thick and muscular, and I believe followed by Ju Hong, and then a lot of the rest are a lot smaller, but very attractive. They are very attractive, man. Hong Wan is my favorite. He has the best mean face ever and the most wonderful side eye on the planet. If you don't. Next to Nina Perez's. That's true. That is epic side eye. Um, if you'd also like to um, purchase art, there is also Etsy.com backslash Lost in Pandemonium. There is also the, the, the Twitch channel, which gets a lot of play. 
you can watch the FC leader, Fagan, themselves lead the charge in um, several games. At, uh, what is it, Twitch TV, backslash, what is it? The Baconzilla. The Baconzilla. And I've been accompanied by a Justin on, shit, most of my streams last two months, actually. Right. Between Final Fantasy and Overwatch. You just used me for my tanky body. I love your tanky body because your tanky body doesn't tank the floor. <laughs> and that is a thing. That is, uh... Tanky body doesn't do the what now? It doesn't tank the floor. What? So when you're dead, you're just laying face down on the floor, you're tanking the floor. You're pulling oh. all the aggro from the floor so that it can't harm anyone oh, else. Oh, that's what I thought. Oh. oh, that's shade. Oh, that's bad tank shade. Okay. Uh, well, it's really funny because, like, usually that phrase is used in um, relation to dragoons. Because, though heavily armored, are very squishy. And LJ... Wonderful, the wonderful Justin is probably like the one of two Dark Knights who I allow to tank for me because he has a proper understanding of this thing called cooldowns. So I didn't fully understand the stereotype of Dark Knight <laughs> until <laughs> I had one. I was, I was leveling another class and we're going through the dungeon and I'm just like, hey, your tank stance isn't on. And he's like, I tank bosses out of grid. It's fine. So in Final Fantasy XIV, if you're a tank, you have a, a default, or not a default stance. You have a stance that reduces the amount of damage you take, and there's often like an offensive penalty for it. So if you if all you care about is doing damage, you won't have your tank stance on. This Dark Knight did not have on their tank stance. And I'm like, okay. Blackest Knight. All right, I'm good for the next five seconds until Bacon can overheal me. We're good. We're good. Um, they can reduce... They have a very... Um, New, uh, shadow wall and rampart they can reduce the amount of damage they take for like five and ten seconds they can reduce the amount of damage magic guns to them like they're pretty good at just like eating whatever you throw at them yeah but the catch is you can only use half of those if you're in your tank stance the rest of them it's just like nope all i care about is dps i'm just attacking just wailing my sword it'll be fine and that never works no no, it doesn't. Um, from a healer perspective, what happens is is that their health keeps dropping and dropping and dropping. And no matter how many heals I put on them, no matter how many buffs, and the way my healing classes um uh works a little um differently from a lot of the other classes, um, uh, my class operates by putting a damage mitigating shield on what whoever they're targeting and then healing over it and then they also have a pet who also heals so they have like two separate pretty low heals but when they're stacked together they're really powerful and if you do that over the shield um like the shield just basically gives you time to actually throw another heal on top of it so you can get them to full and they can take a hit and they don't die or you can throw a shield on somebody else so they don't die if they get hit while you're healing somebody else. It's it's definitely more of a spread out healing. So single target, your health keeps 
drastically dropping does not go well for any healer, but especially not a scholar healer. And on top of that, I also have a free to use um, super heal that I can use about three times every 30 seconds. And even with that, I still can't have your health dropping. Now I'm really good at managing my scholar uh, cooldowns, um, but, and my mana, I'm really good at managing my mana, but if you're constantly losing your health because you won't put your tank stance on, I eventually run out and then you're on the floor and I'm laughing at you. The proper punishment in these situations is to allow them to die and then ask them, now, what did you do wrong? Like a parent, like you have to do it like a parent. You let your child make the mistake and then you ask them in a very loving voice, now, what did you do wrong in this situation? How can we improve this situation? What will you not do again? I um, don't, right. I don't play enough of these games, but I must ask, as a player, wouldn't you want to mitigate your own damage as it's coming in? Like, even if yes. you do want to do DPS, right? Like, I want to punch a guy, but I got to wait. So if I can hunker down while I wait and just no, receive less it, damage. No, no, no. The punching, you need to rotate around. So you just avoid the attacks. So, okay. I'm just wondering if uh, some... I, my DPS is a monk. It's all punching. Oh, no, I'm asking about the the uh, the Dark Knight character. If you can oh, yeah. mitigate that damage, why wouldn't you mitigate damage if you have that, the ability to do so? That is a fantastic question. Because for that split second where you're not DPSing, you're missing out on all of 100 points of damage that you could be doing. Like that's the other thing. Tank damage is so negligent in the grand scheme of all of the instances, you may as well not be doing anything. Like, our our job as tanks isn't to hurt, it's to make sure no one else gets hurt. And honestly, if you want to be a DPSing tank, play Warrior. Yeah, also that. There's also a better tank class for just DPSing and off-tanking. Like, if, I, if we're doing a, a raid or a trial and I see a Warrior, I'm like, oh, thank God. Oh, I can yeah. actually uh, relax a little bit. I'm going to be doing warrior, so I'm going to be your off tank. Oh, cool. We can put you through the, uh, I can put you through the same boot camp I'm putting um, our newest member through, where we just throw you into a bunch of stuff <laughs> that's way out of your league. It's like, all right, figure it out. Wait, who's our newest member? Um, My god sister that just joined. Oh, yes, my other Monster X fan. Yeah. I was you two have. As you get to know her, you'll find that you two have way more in common. Um, it's actually scary. You two are almost the same person. <laughs> I'm really excited because I didn't know. All I knew is I was mentioning about Monster X and she's like, no, I'm not ready. And I went, oh, here's Wanho eating an apple. And she's like, oh, God, no. Okay, now granted, I know it sounds like Wanho eating an apple is just like, oh, whatever, who cares about that? But I'm telling you, it's like the most sexual picture I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> one of the people from one of my K-pop groups actually took the gif from one of the videos and then slowed it down a bit. And I'm just like, why did you do this? <laughs> so now I just use it to torment people. 
You say torment. Wild. I said you say torment, but this sounds like something that you would want to view, unless the sexiness is just so overwhelming that you it just can't be handled. Uh, something that people don't know about me is I embarrass very easily. Like right now, I'm pink. <laughs> oh, I just thought that was your your default shade. That's rude. That was, I, that I am a, not that light skin. That was a light skin joke. <laughs> that was. I think I'm allotted one light skin joke per 300 days. No, so I, no, you're you're allowed to make light skin jokes with all the shit I say all the time, y'all. You you all specifically. You do. And Shane, Shane especially is allowed light skin jokes. I am. Um... Y'all are allowed light skin jokes. I um try I I always I always feel bad because like I feel like light skinness is like 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 there's like a hive mind somewhere underground because when you make enough light skin jokes at light skin people in general there's like one random light skin off in the distance that makes some Facebook post about being hurt by all these jokes and it's never any of the light skin people you were making fun of it's someone way off in the periphery in the farm somewhere he's just hurt deeply and he doesn't know why and he needs to communicate how much how the pain that's in his heart because people are so rude in theory. He doesn't he's not even pointed at him. So yes, yeah, so I try and I lay off the light skin jokes because I know I'm hurting all the light skins everywhere. And I don't want to cause that type of pain. I genuinely don't care about light skin jokes. It, the only time it ever bothers me is when people are like, oh, you're not black. And I'm like, mm. well, that's not a light skin joke. <laughs> that is definitely not a light skin joke. Listen, there are some memes, but uh yeah otherwise i don't care about light skin jokes i'm like whatever we're we're wild we're wild i don't we're we're wild we're problematic and we deserve all of the mockery we just do we deserve all of it i but i'm not normally pink you be nice about my winter glow you live in Seattle, and it's like been it's snowed there and destroyed the city. So you couldn't. There's no way you, you you're just gonna have to get pinker for a bit until the sun comes back out and the slush melts. I'm sorry. It's just it's just how you live. I'm <laughs> deeply sorry. You are quite pink, and I'm very sorry. You had it for a little while there. You were going out, and you had it, and you were cooking, and now you're refrigerated, and that's fine. It it's like that. Listen, we understand. It's the Pacific Northwest. It's like that, and we're sorry. And you know, we have destroyed this planet. Like it was just snowing yesterday, and tomorrow it's gonna be seventy. It's snowing in Las Vegas. It's no, it's fine, guys. It's fine. We, no, like we. It's fine. I think we broke Earth. We might have to put it in rice, or right. maybe just take out the cartridge and blow in it a few times. Right. Like it's wild. Like okay, no, really. Like for people, people. Go back two weeks ago on my Twitter timeline because I was talking about the snow. I'm losing all my jokes now. Luckily, it's going to snow, so the jokes are going to be back again. Right. But um, I have some fantastic snow jokes. All, like, of you, all of your humor is um, snow activated. It's weird. Two weeks of just snow jokes, and they were fantastic. Uh, it won't happen again. Um, but it was wild. I couldn't leave my house. And I mean, literally, I couldn't live, leave my house. I'm, my apartment's built on a hill, and it was covered in three inches of ice. And then snow. And it was just, I couldn't, I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't even go to work because the buses didn't even operate in my, in my area that where I work. Now, granted, that's all hills, like the rest of Seattle, but 
Yeah. And it's supposed to snow again. It's like 50 or 60 today, and it's supposed to snow this weekend. What the fuck? Yeah, it's snowing in Las Vegas, and it's sticking. That's fine. Justin, how many snow days have you had? Ha! Enough. <laughs> no, it, it... We get snow. We don't get the amount of snow that other places get, but the thing is, when we get a little bit of snow and the roads can't be treated in time, D.C. turns into a death trap. So they're just like, yeah, just shut the city down. Don't come to work. We have technology. You can just work from home. I feel like more places should adopt a remote policy because really, what do you have to be in person at work to do? Um, I have a very weird job where I have to be in person to do my job. But my job is production-based. I was about to say, you make things physically. Thanks to hand people. I do. I can do about a quarter of my job from home. Right, but someone's got to be in there putting their hands on shit. Right, somebody has to be there putting their hands on. Like, I could set up files and then send them over, but somebody has to actually be doing the thing. Right. I feel like it would make people a lot happier in this economy if we adopted a more liberal remote uh, remote work policy. Because like, what ends up happening is you get a lot of older managers that are like, how do I know if you're working if I can't see you? And I was like, well, clearly if I'm not working... Stuff doesn't get done. And I have to say, how do you know I'm working when I'm when you're here? Because you're not here when I'm here. Right. Like, like the other thing is, yeah, I, I could be here. You don't know that I'm actually doing work. You just know that I'm here and that makes you feel good for some reason. Right. Right. It doesn't make any sense. Well that's um I I I I I rail against the force and efficiency of the modern workplace now where the fact is a lot of our jobs do not require the full 40 hours a week and the people in charge hate that so they make sure that they install as many ways to get 40 hours of movement out of us per week. They just make sure that we are doing something for 40 even if it's 3 hours of travel. We're going to do it. We're going to get the 40 hours. Yeah, my job is wild because my job's like they don't do 40 hours a week. Uh, we do the 38 something and then we have our lunches. Right. And um they're like, "Oh, you're having issues. You should have an FM FMLA." And I'm like, Like, yeah, you should be on the uh, limited disability thing where you have, like, time off stuff and you're not penalized. Yeah, and you have extra sick time. And I'm like, my God, I'm a person. I don't understand. So one day I'll adjust to it and I'll be jaded about my job, but I don't know when that's going to happen. Uh, but most people don't have that luxury. Like they, they don't do have not. Luxury of paid snow days. So again, that, that that is something that we as a country should adopt. What what do you corp, billion dollar corporation ultimately lose by doing that? Speaking of billion dollar corporations, Justin. Yeah, I see. Oh, that like was that you. Oh, that like was, that alley you. Oh, uh, Justin, I'm going to give you your choice since you are my. Favorite, po- my favorite, and my bestest pod friend. You yeah. humble me. You have the choice of: Do you want to talk about Final Fantasy 4.5 first, or do you want to talk about da, 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 Amazon? 
Let's do Amazon and then we can end on a good note. Okay. I was like, I'm like, we can be super hyped and then go into Amazon or we can go into Amazon and then be super hyped. Yeah. Let's end with hype. Let's, let's end with hype. Okay. So Amazon is all over the news right now. What does Amazon have to do with nerd shit? Literally everything. <laughs> Literally everything has to do with everything. Amazon is everything. It's really creepy, actually. Um, so, uh, New York said, no, we're not doing your bajillion, your $3 million of, or was it $3 billion? It was a lot of money in subsidies. <laughs> it was a few right? billion. It was a few billion. Yeah, it was a, I think it was, okay, it was $3 billion of, like, subsidies. And New York was just like, mm, no. And then also turned around and blamed the activists that are like, uh, what? Um, but because of that, it's really interesting watching this from a Seattle pers pers perspective. Because literally everything about Amazon and Seattle is, like, almost gone with this whole H2 stuff. Like, almost all of it. I'm like, there's, like, 10 years worth of shit about Amazon in Seattle. And it's, like, almost all gone because of this new um, new stuff. It's like the internet was scrubbed clean. It's bizarre. Uh, my condolences to you, Justin. Because, what, I think y'all are getting it? Yeah, so what used to be Crystal City um, will now become National Landing. It will become Amazon City because the Virginia House Representative or the Virginia state government voted to give Amazon $750 million in subsidies over 15 years. Um, and they're saying, oh, but it's job based. Um, the jig is they're saying, oh, you know, we'll give them, what is it, 22000 Yes, so they'll give Amazon a cash grant of twenty-two thousand per new full-time job for the first twenty-five thousand jobs for a maximum of five hundred fifty million, and then after that they get fifteen, uh, roughly sixteen thousand per new job issued up to the next roughly thirteen thousand new jobs for the additional two hundred million. Right. The catch is the job has to pay an average of one hundred fifty thousand a year. So you hear that initially, like, oh, cool, they're paying them for all for bringing all of these high-paying jobs to the area and then you realize wait a second what's the median income for crystal city oh no right y'all are fucked so um delegate alfonso lopez voted against this he was one of the only five um representatives to vote against it um and he said quote folks worried about how Folks are worried that they and other low-income families are going to be priced out of the area's home-owning and rental markets. I'm concerned about the impact on my community and our residents now, not on the benefits that we might see in five, seven, ten years. Um, Y'all are fucked. Yeah, they're gonna, they're going to Crystal City's gone. Like one gone. It's just going to be Amazon City, and they're not going to give the jobs to people that live here. They're going to import people from everywhere else to move here. Like. The DMV is already largely a transplant area. There's very few people that live in Northern Virginia 
that are from Northern Virginia. They're transplants. They either come there for military contracts, they come for political work, or they come for um, another government contract. And now the people that do live there, the, t- the people that do live there and are from there aren't in those higher end jobs. They're pricing them out. And now they're going to have to go somewhere. And the options of where they can go are few and far between because just to the north in D.C., Southeast D.C. is gone. Wow. Like, well, okay, I shouldn't say gone. It is the demographics have radically shifted. <laughs> the community is gone. Right. Yes, the community is gone. Um, a play, uh, One of the places where I had one of my first dates with Tiff, gone. I got bought out for an artisanal mayo shop that didn't even show up. The Bohemian Caverns, where Nina Simone performed, and other black jazz legends, it's gone for a mayo shop that never came through. Like, it's just an empty building now. Sounds about right. Um, Howard University is like the last semblance of black culture in the area. And like, you can tell when you walk down uh, U Street, you can tell where Howard ends and where DC begins. You couldn't do that before. Now it's like, oh, clearly this is where the black people are. And this is where everyone else is. So it's gentr. I was talking with, um, I think we did this podcast either last year or two years ago with, um, uh, Queen and Jay from the Tea with Queen and Jay podcast. And we're like, yeah, gentrification is violence because you're violently removing the people that lived in those communities, the people that built those communities. You're violently removing them from those spaces and you're violently taking away their livelihood, their upbringing, their memories. You're taking that away from them. That's what gentrification is. Yep. And that's going to happen on a massive scale thanks to Amazon HQ too. Right. It's, it's bad. It's very bad. And like, so... I, I live in Seattle. Um, outside of, I, I've been calling them affectionately tech brotarians. Um, outside of tech brotarians, the, we, people in Seattle do not like Amazon. We do not like Amazon. And if you go on Twitter, you'll see a combination of trolls and people who don't actually live here who go, Amazon was great for Seattle. No. Um, so it's really hard to enca- encapsulate uh, how much Amazon has radically changed uh, Seattle. I moved up here in like 08. So I wasn't even here. I, I, I was here like a year after like Amazon was really starting to grow after um, they they had already been established here. Um, they were they actually used to be in what's called what's um, the International District or Chinatown. There is like this old hospital. It I swear to God, it looks like zombies are gonna come out of it. It's it's an old military hospital that's been repurposed. It's now a private hospital, but it, if zombie apocalypse happens, it's gonna be there. And Amazon was basically right there. Very fitting. Evil overlords overlooking the city from the hill. And they actually ended up moving campuses. They bought up, I'm not sure how, they they bought up a shit ton of land in South Lake Union. And South Lake Union used to, it's like, 
It's just north of the downtown area. It used to just be like a warehouse land. And the the person who, the property owners had been slowly like trying to bring in bigger businesses to kind of revitalize the area. And then Amazon came in and went, we want to build here. And they already had all the, like, all the permits. So Amazon didn't even have to get per, like, they didn't even have to like go hunting for the permits. Like this one landowner had all the permits to build there because they had been planning to do it anyway. And so Amazon was just like, Nope, I'm buying all of it. And it it's now the Amazon triangle is the most affectionate name for it. It's also, um, uh, got other various nicknames that we have given Amazon that are basically very post-apocalyptic because they have destroyed all of the integrity in that, not even just that area, but it just spreads all into downtown. Um, so Amazon has all, like this whole new campus, so, and when they moved, when they, when they moved into that campus, they left a neighborhood. They left the international district. And when they left the international district, all of the money from that neighborhood left. I used to work in that neighborhood. And uh, when they were gone, businesses closed. And that area is still considered kind of a touristy area. So it was able to kind of survive, but like the 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 crazy thing about this area is that this area was one of like the two places in Seattle where uh people of color were actually allowed to live up until 2007 because redlining existed in Seattle until 2007 it was totally legal and so when Amazon came in they took over that entire neighborhood. And granted, like, there's still a lot of family-owned businesses. Uh, activists really fought gentrification hard. But then when Amazon left the area, they also took all the money. And businesses collapsed. Like, like people talk so about when Boeing left. Like, when Boeing changed their headquarters. Right. Like, it almost crashed Seattle's economy. Uh, we've actually seen a small portion of what it looks like if Amazon just moves by just switching neighborhoods. And Aaron was visiting Seattle and he got to see it too. And it's just, it's like half dead. It's, um, I, I, it almost makes me question, does Amazon going anywhere do any good for anyone? No. Like I well, that. so it's great if and only if i'm trying to phrase this as carefully as i can because it's good for people that benefit from corporate expansion right like it's good for people who line their pockets with um like when business is quote-unquote good and people are spending money then their pockets get lined right like it's not good for your average citizen it's not good for the people that live there and that neighborhood is now intrinsically tied to the success of this mega corporation. But for politicians, they get kickbacks. It's great. So right. like it's it's splendiferous. Oh, for the corrupt. 
Yes. Well, yes, that's what I was looking for. And the thing that people need to realize about Amazon is that they have spent from the beginning, they have been finding legal loopholes of ev of evading taxes. Um part of the reason they even chose Washington state is because Washington state has no income tax. Oh. We don't have an income tax. So we have some of the most regressive tax policies ever. Like they just passed a sugar tax that is making me almost Republican. And when it comes to taxing, no more taxing, stop. Uh, <laughs> it's a sugar tax. We have some of like our sales tax is almost 10%. It's wild, but Amazon for years got out of paying sales tax and, right. and Amazon was getting subsidies from the city. N not like they got subsidies to build a new campus. They get subsidies to build every new warehouse, every bit of money that they donate. So like they paid for a streetcar is all tax write-offs. So they're not actually doing anything. Meanwhile, they were, um, I don't know if they'll be able to get away with this in where you're at, but they were paying for the security deposits of their employees. Huh. So yeah, not only will they get away with it, they'll it'll be champion. They'll be like, look, Amazon is so magnanimous, they're paying for the security deposits of these people, not right. realizing that that's just, you're you're essentially housing your workers, which is eerily close to indentured servitude. It's wild. And they um also they will also um well Apartment complexes in the area before finally a couple of years ago, the city was like, no, 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 this isn't legal. You can't do this. Um, we're giving preferential um, treatment to um, Amazon or Microsoft employees. So they would just waive your security deposit. And when I say they waive your security deposit, it's not just like a 500 security deposit. Sometimes they're like $1,200 security deposit. So they'd just be like, nope, you don't have to pay a security deposit or you can pay a discounted security deposit or you don't have to pay your first month's rent because you are working for this company and we know you're going to have a lot of money. And in a five-year time span, rent increased almost 40%. Sounds about right. About 40% here. And shit, what else happened? There's so much. I fucking hate them. And yeah, like it's it's the destruction of a neighborhood to uplift a billion dollar corporation under the guise of helping the community, but it's actually going to destroy the community and create a and further the wealth gap and just create a new upper class at the expense of an already vanishing middle class. Right. And it's not like they're hiring more people who live here. They actually brought in 40,000 like brought in 40,000 employees. Yeah, like that that that's the other trap. The Virginia's well, I don't want to say logic because they know what the game is, but the way they're selling this is we're paying them to bring in high paying jobs. I'm like, yes, they're going to bring in those high paying jobs from other places. Right. It's. And they also don't mind hiring from out of country, which I actually don't have a problem with hiring out of country, but they're bring, they bring in people from out of country. They'll even help cover their taxes and their 
their property taxes. They do everything to make it so that this person can work without any issues, essentially, which is kind of cool. But in a way, and like what it's doing to the city is really gross. Really well, gross. Well, also, it, it's binding that person to this company because what yeah. happens if they want to go somewhere else? Now, all of these other contracts that have been bound to that company is like, well, we're responsible for these now, so you can't leave us. Like, again, like this is eerily close to indentured servitude. It is. They, um, it's really gross. And you can't actually boycott Amazon. It's literally impossible. That they're... I don't want to say too big to fail, but they are too big and so ingrained in so much of our lives that it is difficult to remove it from your life, I, right? And like all the things that they own, I didn't realize Amazon owned Twitch until yesterday. Oh yeah, that's why you have the Amazon Twitch Primes. <laughs> yeah, they bought Twitch a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, they also own like half the internet. So that's the other scary thing, right? Like Amazon... Everyone's familiar with Amazon the store. What's really scary is Amazon Web Services because they're a really easy and convenient way of standing up web servers and standing up hosting, right? Mm -hmm. Amazon collects all of that data, right? So from the marketplace side, they're collecting all of that data and they promise they're not selling it, but it's really, it, isn't it odd that when you're searching for something on Amazon, now all of a sudden you have all these targeted ads for the thing that you were searching for on Amazon, even though they're totally not selling your personal data, right? Right. Well, and um, technically, they don't have to sell your personal data because they own your personal data. And they're, that, they're using, that's the catch. They're, they're using your personal data to further their own business. Yes. Um, and we've seen how dangerous that can be. Let's go back to Facebook with Cambridge Analytica. Um, when a company has so much of your personal data and they can make all these targeted ads for you and they can determine your shopping habits, your posting habits, your political leanings, your how you feel about subjects of race and gender and sexuality. Like, they can determine all of that. And they can guide you to make certain conclusions or guide you to see certain content that may radicalize you, right? That, the whole thing with the quote-unquote Russian hacking, uh, what we're finding out now is there was actual Russian hacking into election machines, but the, the bulk of the operation was... <coughs> a counterintelligence operation they're trying to radicalize specifically white males to be more racist so that their racism would override any desire they had to vote for hillary clinton right they wanted to make them more racist they wanted to make them more sexist they wanted to be like you white male are losing the country and it's really easy to do that in america when you have a news channel that perpetuates those same things so they basically just rode the fox news train and guided all of these uh, white males to the path of radicalization using tactics that we saw being used in 2012, high Gamergate, right? Like, oh all, my of the, God, Gamergate. like all of that shit was connected. Um, so Russians were like, hey, the tactics that neo-Nazis used in America, or neo-Nazis used in this gaming culture war, we can use that to help to ensure that Hillary Clinton doesn't get elected, and that'll make our country stronger. Yep. So it, anytime data like that is being collected and used to create these targeted profiles there's a danger to it um and with amazon so that's just the marketplace now let's go to amazon web services would you like to venture a guess how much of the united states government uses amazon web services literally all of it it, it is an overwhelming percentage of the united states government that uses amazon web services for uh hosting 
So now the United States government is intrinsically tied to this corporation that has no loyalty to it. So to review, the government pays Amazon a contract for Amazon Web Services. The, the government, federal and local, pay Amazon subsidies to operate. Amazon pays no taxes. Jeff Bezos pays no taxes. So Amazon, the corporation, billion-dollar corporation, pays no taxes. Jeff Bezos, the individual billionaire, pays no taxes. We tried to pass a, a, a head tax tried to get passed here, and it actually passed. And then Amazon decided that they were going to stop their multi-story building that they were in mid-construction of downtown. And they decided that they were just going to stop building it and instead um, <clears throat> turn it over, like, <clears throat> lease the... Um, lease it to somebody else and instead uh, not have more workers work there. And in turn, what it did is it basically flipped the massive opposition. I mean, it, it sorry, it flipped the massive support for this head tax that would have done like a $500 tax per employee, per Amazon employee to Amazon, which would have been fantastic for this fantastic for the city like we desperately need that um and it turned all of this like a giant chunk of the support to that into opposition and in turn also set people against the more progressive politicians we have in our um uh city council bet you didn't know that yeah. Um, Creepy. Refer <laughs> reference point. A third of cloud activity on the internet is owned by Amazon Web Services. A third? Yep. A, a third. third. As of 2016. Yeah, I wasn't actually kidding when I said they own like half the internet. Yeah. Um, Amazon is scary. They're and scary. there's there's very little that the quote unquote average person can do about it, right? Like all of these are, this is this is why I say I'm an old school leftist. Like I believe the federal government should do for the people what the people cannot do for themselves. The federal government exists to protect you from corporations like Amazon, not to be in bed with them, right? Not to be like in a symbiotic relationship with them. Right, and if Amazon left, Seattle would collapse. Oh yeah, because it, it is collapse. now the economy of, the, it is the economy of the neighborhood. Like, we have we have a massive housing crisis here. Massive. We have full-on, not even just tent cities, but RV cities. We have, like, the homelessness. Like, we have a, we have a legit homelessness crisis. Like, it rivals what's ha been happening in Silicon Valley. And unlike Silicon Valley, like, this happened in, this happened extremely rapidly in a way that there was no way to prepare for. And Amazon, like I said, we have no income tax. Amazon is one of the biggest lobbyists against us having an income tax. Hmm. Because they are super anti-tax. They don't want to get taxed. And when we're, and when everybody's like, yes, you do need to get taxed. They decided we're just going to pull out. Hmm. Which then reversed the tax that was going to be on them because it was actually turning into a major issue. Even, even large, um, 
activist communities were seriously concerned about it. And they're super anti-Amazon, but there's like, what do you do if like they're threatening to pull the economy out of the city? And granted, this wasn't like, and about this time was also the exact same time that um, HQ2 was starting. Also, the weird thing is, and this was brought up on, um, oh God, I wish I could remember her name. Uh, I, something Cashmere, she works at Gizmodo, but she does like the best investigative privacy data work. It's so good. Um, Cashmere Hill? Yes. Okay. Yes, actually. Mm -hmm. I've been reading her stuff for like the last three weeks. <laughs> Um, it's, it's, in, it's, impo it's literally impossible. Like there's nothing you can do to not use them. Uh, and we haven't even discussed the Amazon Echo and the other Amazon oh, home products. So creepy. That are definitely recording you while they're not active. They are definitely recording you while not active. Oh yeah. Right. And like, like all of the all of these devices, the game for all these devices is to learn patterns about you. Like learn what commands you use, what you're searching for most often, what are you looking up most often, what do you care about, what songs do you like, all so they can sell you more stuff, or so that they can sell that information to someone else who wants to sell you stuff, or a scarier route, sell that information to someone that wants to radicalize you, and now they know what buttons to push. Mm -hmm. Right. They make most of their money not through like their marketplace. They actually operate on a loss there. Uh, they make most of their money by selling data. And they're slowly like, it, by taking over the shipping industry, which they're rapidly doing, it's really freaky how much of the shipping industry that they actually own it is way more subversive than any of you realize. Um, by owning the shipping industry and um, online marketplace, they are just ha creating additional avenues to have to um, get more data and, and use it to benefit them. The other insidious thing Amazon does is the marketplace used to know people can sell their goods on Amazon. If they notice that a certain good is selling at a high rate, they'll just buy that person out. Or they'll or tax they'll, you. Or they'll tax them, or they'll just undercut the price to essentially kick that person off the marketplace. So you can use Amazon to sell your goods, but if you get too successful, Amazon will cut you out of the game. Yep. And they specifically put their stuff, of course, ahead of first your the, stuff. Yes, it, their, their stuff, stuff always comes up first in the search algorithm. It'll always be on the front page. So, like the, the more we find out about Amazon, this is like 1920s robber baron stuff. Right, it's really bad. Like this, this is. And this is why someone like Bernie Sanders or someone like Elizabeth Warren, this is why they're so appealing because they speak to that desire to break up. What is, Amazon is a monopoly in every sense of the word, but they're not classified as a monopoly, right? Right. But they, they are a monopoly. Like, this is why at 
Amazon's existence is why antitrust laws were created. Which is really interesting because most of the antitrust laws are still on the books. They're just not being utilized. Exactly. Like, there, there's so much on the books that this specific administration has just decided to ignore. Right. Most of what they're doing is totally illegal. But it's not enforced, so it doesn't matter. Uh, I, I tell people living under 45 that are like, oh, you can't do that. It's against the rules. I'm like, the rules only matter if everybody agrees to play by them. If you have a side that is just a, that is just refusing to acknowledge the rules and they're just going to do what they want, the existence of a rule will not help you. Anyone who has played a game with a toddler understands this. You could say the game is get the ball in the hole, but if the toddler decides, nope, I'm going to run around and throw the ball at the wall, and now I win. That, that rule meant nothing to that toddler. They did what they wanted anyways. It is up to an authority figure to enforce said rule. But if no one's enforcing the rules, then they're just suggestions. That is the best analogy. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes you just look at the toddler and be like, you won. Yeah. And it, it, it's also a good analogy because like, you as the parent are the authority figure. You are the one enforcing the rules saying, hey, toddler, you have to do this. If one side is just, I'm not following the rules and there is no enforcement mechanism, then you're kind of screwed, right? Like sort of veering away from the tech, uh, the tech side of things, let's take the Voting Rights Act. They took away the enforcement mechanism of the Voting Rights Act, the thing that the federal government used to keep states like Alabama, South Carolina, North Carolina, Texas, and Georgia in check. That was removed because John Roberts said, quote, Obama was elected, it worked. So we don't need it anymore. And I just remembered what I was trying to say earlier before, like, I forgot what I was going to say um, uh, mid-sentence. But Amazon owns so much data. There was no reason to do this public bidding spree. They already knew. And instead, you have cities literally giving them city plans to look over. You had cities freely giving them more data to pick them, maybe. Amazon already would know what all the markets are in each state, in each city. They already knew where they were and weren't going to be. It was all a show. I'm not trying to be conspiracy theorists, but they literally have all the data. Well, no, it's not a conspiracy theory. Amazon has admitted as much, right? Like, it's not right. a conspiracy if the person admits, no, this is actually what happened. No, it's actually um, what happened. And, like, mo like, what, 200 and something cities freely gave Amazon, like, full city data? And that's, like, just data that we know about? Yeah, and that they gave it to them free of condition like it's not a we'll give you the data if you come here it's no look at our data don't you want to come here no we don't but thanks for the data what do you think they're going to do with that they're not just going to give it back they're not just going to say well we didn't we didn't go to this city let's not use the data no they're going to use it right they did it it's very insidious and like i said there's there's zero way that like you can stop using Amazon Prime, you can stop using their shipment services, kind of, but because they also own a huge chunk of the shipping industry, 
even if you're not using Amazon for shipping, you're still using Amazon for shipping. Jeez. Like if you buy something from eBay, there's a good chance that um, you're pulling from one of their individual sellers. Also, they just own a huge section. Like Amazon literally has planes that they just use to ship stuff. It's not all Amazon on that on those planes. Amazon has a deal with USPS. It's part of why USPS hasn't gone bankrupt. Hmm. Despite efforts from a political party to bankrupt uh, USPS, which is another thing, right? Like they, they, there is a political party, the Republican Party, that is trying to bankrupt the United States Postal Service in favor of private contractors, in favor of UPS, in favor of all these other places that give them kickbacks. Guess who's a private contractor that's essentially saving USPS? Amazon. Yeah. It, it, the fact that a private contractor is doing more to... This is so wild and so corrupt. No, it's so it's fucked. so bad. We are so fucked. So, like, when we say Amazon's evil overlords, like, we're not actually kidding. And, again, like... Seattle, we were all saying, you all don't want this. You really don't want this. It is, your city is going to be paying money to Amazon to replace the city. Hmm. The, the communities that live there aren't going to be there anymore. And there's just nothing you can do about it. So what if so, so what if Amazon adopted the Cobra model and say built a base like in the middle of the desert and then started from there? Like what if we just gave them chunks of earth to turn into Amazon City so they wouldn't destroy existing cities? Well, they kind of already are by building their warehouses and fulfillment centers. I thought those already existed in cities. Not all of them are in cities, some of them are outside of cities. Yeah. And the counties or the states, they get subsidies to build those facilities and fulfillment centers almost like at the end of the day, it's like no cost to them. And then we get into how Amazon treats the workers at those facilities. Right. Like garbage. Like we have some serious concerns. Like there's like, we're talking the reason why we have OSHA and labor laws. Amazon is like at that point. Like we have OSHA and labor laws to stop companies like Amazon and how they treat their employees. But a lot of those laws, like the enforcement mechanisms have just been destroyed. So you can do that stuff. And in return, even though like they, Sometimes they have to make settlements, but they're just replacing all of their employees with robots. It's all going to automation because automated packing, like that's a, that's a thing. And sort of uh, to make this more relatable to those of you that may be listening, it was like, I got lost in tech speak. <laughs> BlurredCon has had uh, BlurredCon has been in Crystal City for the last two years. Once Amazon HQ2 shows up, the area that we have BlurredCon in probably won't allow us to be there anymore. 
Yep. Or BlurredCon will just get taken over. That too. One of two things will happen. It'll get taken over or it just won't be there. Because like right now, I think they're in the, the Hyatt right next to Devil National Airport, Reagan National Airport. Um, so, yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, nobody wants Amazon in their city. It's really bad. <laughs> well, robber barons and corrupt politicians love them there. Oh, yeah, love them. Oh, my God. I'm just like, I'm not going to lie. If I don't see another blue badge, I will be so happy. <laughs> and yes, we do have other tech giants like Microsoft and whatnot all. But I'm not going to lie. Microsoft took a section of the city like outside of the city that was super, super underdeveloped. Like it was just a warehouse area and they just like, it's outside of the city and they started there. So Microsoft just definitely aided in gentrification. Like I'm not even going to lie, but I can't even begin to tell you how Amazon just spread the fuck up out of that shit. And then Google too. We have like six Google campuses. By the way, Google has a headquarters here, too. It's awful. Although I made the signs for them. Uh, your TLDR for this segment is Silicon Valley is government-sponsored gentrification. There we go. Silicon Valley is government-sponsored gentrification. I, I understand that we had um, something else to do after this, but where do we really go? After this sizzling 35-minute expose on what is undoubtedly going to be the downfall of America within the next decade. So, like, I understand you said Final Fantasy, but really, can we really go to Final Fantasy now? We're going to Final Fantasy because I'm depressed. Right. I mean, I have a segue, but it's a massive spoiler for the latest patch. Uh, but it was actually a really good segue about evil overlords. Uh, can you just do the segue since my FC won't get spoiled? Well, my your FC won't get spoiled. Um, I was going to say from one evil overlord to another evil overlord, uh, we can talk about the Asian expansion into Eorzea. Just oh my like, god, the Asian expansion! <laughs> We're I gonna mean, make clones! <laughs> the Asians are basically Amazon. <laughs> the Asians are Amazon. Like no, they're they're basically Amazon. They get oh subsidies from the Garlean Empire. Um, Wait, they kick this... out existing communities and dis and you know create Wait. literal refugee camps. They create literal refugee camps. Like I said, I had the segue. It's just kind of a massive spoiler. You know what? No, go full, go full, go bigger, go oh. home. We're here. Let's do it. But so. I as we were preparing for the Final Fantasy topic, um, I, I saw a lot of... Over the last month, I've seen a lot of chatter about people leaving WoW for Final Fantasy. Um, oh my God. Also, and, they're just going to quit Final Fantasy. Um, and I, I've been seeing art, people writing articles like, will Final Fantasy overtake WoW as like the top MMO in the world? And I'm like, huh. So I just did a quick Google search about... Uh, Final Fantasy's active player count, which is actually, there's a, there is a website that actually keeps a tally of this thing. Uh, I'm there, 
There are currently two million, roughly two million uh, characters in Final Fantasy. Fifty-four thousand active players. Mm-hmm. World of Warcraft has over fifteen million characters. <laughs> How many active players? Roughly three million. Okay. Now, the disparage in numbers, there's actually a really good reason for that. In Final Fantasy, specifically, on one character, you can play all the classes. In World of Warcraft, you have to create a new character to play another class. So, there are going to probably always be more active characters and more characters in world of warcraft right because in final fantasy your friend has like six accounts and i don't know how they do that so i have a friend um <laughs> that is so much work. he has six accounts every class is maxed on each account so there's what 12 classes. This makes me glad that he has no crafting classes. No, he has all the gathers and crafters maxed. <laughs> Wait, no, it's your other friend who doesn't. Yeah, no, uh, my brother's best friend has just sworn off crafting. <laughs> um, he said, I'm never crafting anything again unless it's for people I like. Because <laughs> he, he would just walk around in one of the hub cities. Oh my God, you're a crafter? Make this for me, please. I got an apartment so I could craft in peace. Yes, that, that is really, I'm learning the reason why you buy housing in this game. And so you don't have to interact with the populace. Um, <laughs> but no, so, all right. So counting gatherers and crafters, they're, they're over, I'll be generous and say, we'll say there's 12 classes, right? Over six accounts. So six times 12 is... 84? Yeah, I think we're at 16. I think we're on six by tw 24 because there's 12 crafting classes. Three, oh, crap. Yeah. Yeah, there's 12 crafting classes, three gathering classes, and 12 main class. Uh, there's three tanks, three healers, uh, four DPS. No, more than four DPS. Yeah, because there's melee DPS, there's range DPS, and then there's two casters yeah so there's two caster classes which are some no three caster classes which are summoner red mage yeah i think it's three 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 <laughs> see i think, anyways yeah it's a lot the, the there's a lot you can do on a single character um but wow is still the king like that let's not get ahead of ourselves right um i will say though the story of 14 it's really pulling me in. Um, it starts kind of slow. I mean, it, it's a Final Fantasy game. The, the beginning is more about getting you acclimated to the world and acclimated to how to play and acclimated to the characters. But once it gets going, I'm like, yo, okay, this is pretty dope. And then the expansions, each of the expansions sort of expands on, hey, expansions expand on, that's why they're called expansions, Justin. <laughs> um, the world at large, literally and figuratively, like they, they add to the lore of the world and also add new locations to build on that. And they find ways to keep it fresh and refreshing in terms of like the main story content, the additional content. Uh, 
one knock against Final Fantasy is people say that the expansions are predictable. You're going to get about 100. So for the one that's coming out in July, Shadowbringers, we're probably going to get about 100 main story quests. We're going to get about four or five new dungeons. We're going to get three or four primals. And then the end game is going to be an alliance raid, a regular raid, and probably um, three trials. Yeah, and extreme modes of all of the trials and right. extremely grueling mode of the of the raid. There's going to be some more classes, but yeah, it's pretty formulaic, but I don't care. Right, like if the formula works, I'm good with it. Yeah, cuz it's very formulaic, but in the formula they find ways like inside of the formula the content is fresh very much like this last content stormblood is all about um reparations retribution um and revenge revenge there's like a like oppressive governments are a like oppressive gods and governments are a, a regular thing like store like heaven's word was a uh, oppressive religious zealous government this one is about an invading nation that just took over land for their own manifest destiny like literally it is the embodiment of manifest destiny right it, it if i was going to be like too into it i would definitely also say it's a really interesting critique on you know world war ii pre-world war ii japanese government well so a lot of a lot of jrpgs made by writers of a certain generation while well, only was the jrpgs a lot of content that come creative content that comes from japan from creators of a certain generation ultimately all lead back to uh a critique on either how they felt about the Japanese government pre-World War II or how they feel about the state of the world after the bombs dropped, right? Like the Gundam series that's Tomino working through his depression as being a child of Nagasaki. Right. Um, that's why like a lot of the themes in Gundam are, like the central theme in most Gundam is war is hell. And it's about reflecting upon what war does to average people and like how it just transforms normally good people into these horrific monsters and how it made children have to become adults in yes. ways that they weren't expecting prepared for or emotionally capable of handling right i i went back and started watching the original gundam series and i'm like yo this aged really well it is very heavy um and like I, people that watch it for the first time like oh why is amuro so whiny i'm like amuro's a teenager like, literally, Amuro is, like, 15? Yeah, so when Gundam starts, he's 15. Like, that's why, like, as the series goes on, like, he gets more mellow. And it's like, yeah, because he's an adult who's been hardened by decades of war. And violence. He had yes. to kill people as a 15-year-old with experimental tech. Yeah. Um, like, one of my favorite Gundam series is Gundam Seed. Um, yes! Because it was like, at its core, Seed is just a retelling of Mobile Suit Gundam, but just, like, little tweaks here and there. But it's essentially the same story. And I thought they really did a good job of capturing how the war broke these kids. From Kira to Atherin to um, 
Oh my god, I forgot her name. I the the regent. Yes. But With the the pink hair, the pacifist regent who who eventually realized I have to kill people. Like there's no way around it. War is hell. People die. And there's nothing we can do to stop that. Right. I have to kill people. There's nothing I can do. Um. Yes. And who to like? There's a character who Kira saves in the first episode. The next episode, he saves one group at the expense of another. Like he has to make the choice: which group do I save? That person's father dies, and she's like, "I will never forgive you." And it's like. Uh, she's not wrong. Like, you did technically get her pops killed. You did the right thing, ultimately, but you still got her pops killed. So... Right. Yeah, it's just, like, especially where there's just, like, war's ugly, it's horrible, revolutions are not peaceful. There just aren't peaceful revolutions. Like, people just get murdered. Um... And Final Fantasy actually does a great job of capturing like what all of this does to you as the main character, right? Because like as the main character in a final in this Final Fantasy game in this MMO, you've slain literal gods, you've overthrown governments, you've toppled regions, and it shows what that does to a person and the cost of doing all of this. Because you may get out of it unscathed, but your friends don't, and characters that you get attached to don't. Like 14, Final Fantasy fourteen has a pretty high death count in terms of like characters you get attached to. Right, and one of one of the villains is a villain. That she was made into a. There was no other way for her to go, and right. she ends up becoming essentially a god of death. And her her fight, your fight with her, and because she basically, yeah, like I said, she, she not even figuratively, she becomes a god of death, and um during the fight you are also fighting through her traumas which involve her brother her parents who sold her uh soldiers who mercilessly abused her like she was a product of war violence and you, like you 100% like even though she was a horrible person you can't like you have you empathize with her because there's not there's at no point did she have really a choice in what she was to do it was survive or die right and the game does such a great job at balancing those two sides of her um because when we first meet her she's forcing a father to execute their child right that is that is our introduction to this character it does a really good job of oh okay we hate this character. She is a monster. And then we find out how she got there. And it's like, okay, I see how you got to this point. And then she and, loses her memory. Yeah, like it, it she goes to a really interesting character arc and which culminates in, like you said, becoming a literal god of death and vengeance. Right. And like, and just sorrow too, because she's even as a god, she know one, she knows she's gonna die. And two, she's just, very mournful about her life um and when she at one point she loses her memory and you get to see the innocence she could have had and it's it, if she had been given if she had led a different life you're able to see the innocence and how she could have been and who she could have been and all of that was just taken from her and then take it like from her again. As you're saying that, I 
that whole arc, I just, like, you just pointed out the cruelty of that arc because you're seeing who this person could have been if not for imperialism. Yes. Like, if not for the, the, the militaristic designs of this nation, this is the person that they could have been. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, they had no choice but to become this person. Right. Like the, the, sto- the story is really compelling. Um, it's also fun to play. Like that, That's another thing that 14 has going for it. It One thing that intimidated from me from it early on was just the concept of an MMO being intimidating and how to play it. This is very user-friendly, very beginner-friendly, um, not overwhelming in terms of everything you have to keep track of. Um, though it's funny, uh, we were doing one of the in-game raids, which is a 24-person raid, three teams of eight. There's a lot going on. There's a lot you have to manage. And Tiff is watching me do it. There's doing one of the your streams, Bacon. And Tiff is like, how do you keep track of all of that that's happening on the screen? And I'm like, I really don't notice it because the game does such a good job at preparing you for this moment. Right. And I'm actually really excited for Stormbringers because we're at the point where they started slowly introducing visual-only cues where you have to watch what's going on in the background to know what's going to happen. Cause there's some things that are just too, that are just going to happen too fast for you to react. And if you're starting off and, and this is why the game forces you to go through all of the expansions. A lot of MMOs don't make you go through all the expansions, but final fantasy does, which does make it a very long game if you're starting out new but it also makes you learn how to play and which is very necessary because there is a gradual escalation in difficulty like i remember playing a realm reborn and going this is really hard bahamut is really hard but the content that i'm running right now is so much harder (laughs) it is so much more difficult and I'll run old content sometimes even blind. Like I have no idea, I haven't run it before, but because I'm running harder content and I know all of the cues, I'm able to run this stuff out without watching a video or a walkthrough of it. So it's definitely, the streams look much more intimidating than it is, I swear to God. (laughs) Right, and like I said, the game does a really good job of guiding you of getting you to that point um, from the beginning of forcing you into one area forcing you into like, I think you can't change your class until level 10 because they're trying to force you into like the core concept of the game of this is how to tank. This is how to DPS. This is how to cast. This is how to heal. Yep. All right. We're good. You've got all these concepts. You've taken down one or two bosses on your own. Here's your first dungeon. Now you have to play with others. You've done all this stuff by yourself. Now this is how you take all those concepts together in a group. And they slowly walk you through, okay, this is how bosses behave. You have to learn, look for some visual cues. Some bosses are puzzle bosses. Okay, you've got that. Now the story starts. And go. And the story is so good. There are some stories that I skip through because I just can't. Most of them are Sid related. But <laughs> I just, I cannot with Sid. I hate him so much. <laughs> Here I come to save the day. Where, where were you? Where were you five minutes ago, dude? Like we could have actually used you earlier. The epitome of useless, mediocre white man with visions of grandeur. He's just like, you know, 
how there's that stereotype of like the pensive guy with the who thinks they have the long sordid history and they're sitting in the bar depressed and they're like you have no idea where I've seen and where I've been life has just been so difficult I get every Final Fantasy has to have a Sid but normally the Sids are cool like normally we'll get like Thunder God Sid or Sid Highwind uh. but the Sid's this is just kind of... Okay, but Sidolphus at that fucking raid is so chatty. He's not even that chatty in his own game. He is so chatty. Is that Curry that is speaking? I have no idea who his what? voice actor is, but he does an excellent job. He does such a good job. I'm just like... I, I'm having feels about this voice. Um... But yeah, he is so chatty, and I just, I absolutely hate the Sid in this game so much that it makes me want to skip, like, cutscenes, because I hate him so much. I think Sid is the one character in the FC that we have unanimous hatred for. Because well, he's kind of whack. Like, he's just there. He's awful. He's a Garlean, but he's not even, he, like, talks about being a faux Garlean. He's left the people and he's not the thing but he's still the thing he's he's matt, matt Ma uh, what what's his name from how to get away with murder he's matt mcgarry matt mcquery matt yo the the white guy who says he's a feminist who spends all of his time explaining feminism to women he's that guy yes he is that guy which is why i fucking hate him so much god he really is the like and he and he uh, and of course, the thing is, too, is if you were a Garlean and a Garlean scientist, you are basically top echelon. Like, you are up there. And he's just like, I left my life behind because I felt like they were doing wrong. And now I fight against them with all of this money that I have. And these secrets I can't tell you because they're secrets of a life that I don't live anymore. Yeah, but your secrets almost got us killed. I don't live that life anymore. <laughs> Fucking hate him. Yeah. Like most of his quest lines involve um, some self-inflicted trauma for the group that could have been avoided um, if we had just talked about it. One of my favorite TV tropes pages to go to is we could have avoided all of this. Um, That's all of Sid's content. All, all of this of could it. have been avoided. All of this um, avoided. Oh, wait. I'm actually excited because 4.5.6 comes out in a couple weeks. Okay. What's in 4.5.6? Because I haven't watched anything. I've been, I have been trying really hard to get everybody's um, item level up. So I haven't looked at anything. So 4.56 is the continuation of the story. 4.55 gave us the new Eureka Zone with a 56-person dungeon, which I'm kind of excited for. Not going to lie. That sounds like the kind of suffering I want in my life. To be the honest... The thing I'm realizing... Uh -huh. What was that? No, you continue. I was going to say, one thing I'm realizing with this game is uh, I enjoy suffering. Oh, um, I could have told you that. A lot of the, the in-game content is just dying repeatedly. Yep. Just lots of death. Just lots of death all the yep. time. Yep. 
Um, but yeah, four point five six is just the the conclusion of the storm the Stormblood storyline. Thank you. Um, and then four point five seven, they they're going to finalize the world visit system. Um, they put the pieces of it in each of the updates, but four point five seven will be when we can finally visit other people's worlds. Uh, as long as we're on the same data center. And I think at some point over the summer before Shadowbringers, um, they're supposed to do the data center consolidation. Uh-huh. Um, wait, no. Wait. All right. Consolidation? Um, they're doing a, this thing with the data centers where they're merging some of the data centers into a larger data center. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Because aren't there three North American data centers? Yes, question mark. Yeah, and I thought they're making one of them into, I don't know. Yeah, I, I have to go look up what exact changes they're making. I know our data center really isn't changing that much, so I stopped caring about it. Yes, I'm mostly looking forward to the fact that they're going to be bringing in new housing because there is a housing crisis in Final Fantasy. <laughs> there is a housing crisis in Final Fantasy fourteen. Been trying. To, our poor souls have been trying to get a house. We have the money for a house, and there are no houses to buy. So not only is there a housing crisis in my city, because again, Final Fantasy and Overlords and Amazon, <laughs> but there's a housing crisis in my game. That's why I had to spend 300,000 gil to get an apartment so I can craft in peace away from people trying to get my business and assaulting me because I'm an adorable Lalafell. I get pets and hugs wherever I go. It's a hard you life. You do. Okay, so I was afraid. Um, I just did a quick search about who actually owns the 14 data centers, and it's Square. Um, <laughs> I was afraid that I'd be able to put a perfect bow on this podcast and say, <laughs> and you know who owns those data centers? Amazon Web Services. If it, that that would have just... I, actually... I think the only reason they don't is because Square has been in the MMO business for longer than Amazon's been around. Yeah, I would um also just cut I the podcast. Think if because of that, because when did Final Fantasy Eleven come out? Yeah, if uh, if Amazon owned those servers, I would have abruptly ended the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like a true crime podcast, I would just ended it with that yes. revelation, and then just it's silent credits too. I just would have ended the podcast entirely. Just I'm pretty the... sure they own the web servers that we podcast on. Yeah, so. Uh, oh, ours too. Um, I, I have to say, I would love to do a true crime style podcast about Universal FanCon because knowing what I know about how that con got together and what ultimately led to it falling apart, there's actually a really interesting story there. So, aren't you? Aren't isn't Chris doing a documentary, or is he just joking? I'm pretty sure it's a. Uh, it's a joke. I'm pretty sure it's a joke. But um, we could actually do it. I mean, we do have the resources all together. Can we just do an audio series? Right. It doesn't have to be like the actual Hulu or Netflix one. We can just do a um, series of podcasts about what happened. We and then we could people. just keep it up forever. Right. 
It would be a team between podcasts. Right. It's definitely in play. Like, Justin's thinking about this going, actually? Right. Let's do this. That's what I, that's, uh... <laughs> It's a very, really let's do this. Yeah, it's a very important Philip Rivers dot gif. It's a <laughs> let's go. Like, a... like, no, really. Like, let's just make a whole new podcast, whatever. I'm whoever wants to ho- we'll all host it. Right. I mean, I I mean I if you want, I could I mean I have a very good narrator voice. I could narrate a true crime documentary and then guide everybody through it. I wouldn't care. That'd be fine by me. You do I'm, have like the the true crime narrator voice. I can I'm do just, it. I'm just really good at introductions. I can do. No, well, everyone would have. Everyone would speak on it, but um, it would just you know, it would just be like any other true crime podcast, except about this. This could happen. We have enough resources. Enough people don't like what happened, and enough people don't like the fact that too many people are getting away with it. That that always well, feels. So that- that's the thing, right? Like it's not it, to tell the to to fully tell the story about FanCon. You can't just include FanCon. You have to include BlurredCon, which it spun out of. You have to include the organizations that built it up. You have to include the people that lent their capital to it. And you have to include the people that were ultimately screwed over by it. Like that's four parts right there. Right, which is why we can make a mini series out of it, right. and then just post it on the website, Chris bought. Right. That is the single most petty thing that man has ever done. <laughs> I, Which is saying a lot. I love him for that. <laughs> uh, but let's do the second most pettiest thing all of us have ever done. Would it be petty or would it be informative? Like, we can, I feel like a lot. These aren't mutually exclusive. That is true. It's, uh, it's kind of important because, um, like I said, a lot of... We forget how scams come about we do very quickly and then scams repeat the same scam cycle so actually having something just there just keeping keeping track of the lore of blackness in a way is not actually the worst idea in the world we should keep track of it we should keep track like, of it like we keep track of amazon if right. uh, if you use twitter's advanced search features go back and look at what you were tweeting on April 20th, 2018. It, it, it is just wild to go back oh. and look at that day and just seeing how everything broke. Like that, that was that, a week before the con, everything just fell apart. Yep. And their, 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 their goal was fake it till we make it. We're just going to fake it until con day and see what happens. And it's wild. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm here for this. I mean, I have. I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll support any way I can. Uh, we're still recording, so as a matter of fact, if you are listening, um, Bacon, how do people find you on Twitter? This is serious. Like, if people want this to happen, we have the resources. There's the, the there's like a very always a thin veil between doing something interesting and not. So we have several layers of 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 resources. So Bacon, Twitter. How do people find you? My Twitter handle is B4C0NZILLA. We've got to get one. We've got to get the capture audio voice to do that. B4749L. You just popped up my Twitter name. I know somebody's going to get confused. It is 
B-4-C-0-N-C-I-L-L-A. And uh, Justin, how do we find you on Twitter? If you'd like to find me on Twitter, I am at LJ90, at LJAY90. All right. And if you want to find me, that's uh, uh, twitter.com backslash ANS Freeman. And if you want to fight bacon, it's B4C0NZILLA. I fucking hate all of you. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> No one told you to throw all those numbers in that motherfucker. But seriously, also, if you care, um, uh, Twitter uh, on Fridays. Also, if you want to contact, if you are listening to this and you think this is a good idea, let us know. Then get get the ball. Let's all, let's all get together and push this rock downhill. I think this might be something. We can do this. We can do this. We got this. Also, listen to Monster X's new album. All right. Anything to add, Justin? It's really good. Like, it's actually a really good album. You should. All right. Thank you guys for listening. And uh, chime in. We might uh, do some new shit. Thank you guys for listening. And see you guys next week. your weekly reminder that the most delicious name in podcasting is also the most delectable name in the art world. Visit etsy.com slash shop slash lost in pandemonium for the latest prints, posters, bookmarks, notepads, and more from our very own bacon. That's etsy.com slash shop slash Lost in Pandemonium. It reminds me of an ancient African proverb, help bacon by cake. <laughs>